Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, actually, chapter 1, verse 26. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like to have one, just raise your hand, and one of my friends will bring you one. You can keep that. That's our gift to you. You can also open up the version or the Bible app on your smart device, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. And we'll also put the scriptures right up there on the screen. If you're watching us online or at one of our other sites, one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you, and I'm so glad that you're a part of our family. As you just heard, we're starting a new series of messages today. It's not just based on a particular book of the Bible, but it's also completely based on one particular topic, and this topic is critical. It's crucial to our culture, and for the next several weeks, I want to take you through the book of Ephesians, and I want to talk to you about identity. And throughout this series, I'm going to try my best to help you answer a really important question. Who do you think you are? Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're grateful to you. Thank you. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. And so today, for my friends who are here, my friends who are at other places seeing this Message, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would well up within us, that our hearts and our minds would be changed, that when we leave here, we'll be different than when we got here. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I asked everyone in this room the question, who are you? The responses would be incredibly varied. They'd be all over the board. I am what? I am a doctor, a landscaper, a stay-at-home mom. I am a badger, unfortunately, a gopher, a a phoenix, a green knight. I'm a veteran, a Rotarian, a Republican, a Democrat, a moderate, a conservative. I am unemployed. I am underemployed. I am smart. I am dumb. I am rich. I am poor. I am what? And your answer to that has a lot to do with what's called your perceived identity. It starts when we're kids. People put all sorts of labels on us, don't they? He's the smart kid, the athletic kid, the artsy kid, the chubby kid, the dumb kid. She's the pretty one, the skinny one, the smart one, the nerdy one. Labels, all sorts of labels. And from a young age, we perceive those labels, we receive those labels, and then we reside in them. We occupy them. We set up camp. We live inside of those labels. Unfortunately, far too often, for some of us, for the rest of our lives. Are you the pretty mom? Are you the cool dad? I am what? Identity, it's a huge problem in our culture. Our culture's going through an identity crisis. And so how you answer the question, who am I, determines both your identity 
and your testimony. We're in an identity crisis, and media has distorted it. The internet has magnified it. I mean, when you go overseas, it's amazing how many places you go where so many people are trying to look American. Social media, it's propagated it. I mean, just open your first social media account and fill out the profile. Who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? Where'd you go to elementary school, high school, college? Do you have a degree? Are you married? Are you single? Are you in a relationship? Is it complicated? Religious views, political views, what movies do you like? What music do you like? I mean, it's like so much pressure. Who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I make my profile picture, my banner picture? What's my status update? What if no one views it? What if no one comments on it? What if they don't respond to it? What if they don't respond to my friend request? It's putting in so much pressure. We've got so much anxiety in creating the right image, the right identity. But thanks also to the internet, if you're not who you want to be, then you can just create a new identity totally fabricated one, a, a perceived one, the, with the filters and the hues and the... Have you ever seen someone where you saw their profile picture and they looked so hot? And then you saw them in person and they looked so not? What happened to the glow? What happened to the hue? What happened to the sparkle? What happened to the light that that person took their picture under? Who do you think you are. It's such an important question. But a more important question is, who does God think you are? See, God knew from the very beginning that identity was going to be an issue, and so he addressed it right from the jump, right from the drop. During the very beginning of the creation process, he talked about identity. Look at this. This is Genesis 1, 26 to 28. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. That's a Trinitarian statement, like Pastor Sonny just talked about. God is a triune God. He is three in one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there's the identity statement, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Right there from the very beginning, God revealed our identity. We are his image bearers. Let us make man in our image. You know, God didn't make anything else in his image. We were meant to be his reflection. We were meant to be his representatives. He wants the world to see him in us and through us. You were designed to show the attributes of God. And show, so when you show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, when you treat people with gentleness or live your life with self-control, you're reflecting God's image. We are his image bearers. And we were created to worship our creator. That's why when you come in here, you feel this jolt. You feel this infilling, if you would. You, you get these tinglies, these, these warm and fuzzies. And, and for many of you, your men particularly, your eyes start to sweat. 
Because we know men don't cry, but like your, your eye, something happens. There's, a, there's something gets in your eye, and, and it, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. He gets in your eye, and your eye becomes agitated. And suddenly, in the middle of some song, for whatever reason, you don't know why, when, when the bass drops, like I'm a music guy, like so when the, when the bridge hits and the bass, boom, when it drops, you're like, oh, shoot, that's a jam. That's the, and suddenly something, because you were created. For that worship, you were created to give your heart and soul and mind back to him. But worship isn't just an aspect of who we are. It's the essence of who we are. We were not created to worship. We were created worshiping. Think about it like this. You weren't born to breathe. You were born breathing. And just like you can't separate breath from life, you can't separate worship from your relationship with God. And so from God's perspective, every one of our choices, words, actions, thoughts, and values, those are acts of worship and they make up our identity. The only question is, what's the object of your worship? All of humanity can be divided into two categories. Those who worship the creator and those who worship created things. The Bible says worshiping anything other than God is idolatry, and idolatry is by far the most frequently discussed problem in all of the Bible. Whatever we base our identity and values on, those things become an idol. They become deified, and our deified objects of worship determine what we glorify and what we live for. And so for most of our culture, our identity has become rooted in our idolatry. Hmm. But what is that? What is idolatry? Like, uh, like idols, like uh, little, little statues or images or, or little trading cards? Yes, the, yes, that those are, but not, but not just that. Idolatry is that, but it's more than that. It's, it's almost ethereal. It's, it's elusive. It's, it's, it's deceptive, idolatry. It's, it's easy to miss, but yet easy to fall into. It's this great paradox. And so, although I'm not normally keen on these, although I'm not normally big on these, I wanted to give you an acrostic to help you understand what can become idols in our lives. And here's the first. I, it's, it's items, items. The, the things we own are our public way of projecting our desired image. Some, some guys are fancy. They got the tight pants to prove it. You feel me? You feel me? Now, full disclosure, if I was in shape, my pants would be tighter. I'm just saying. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. I wouldn't buy my pants at Target. That's all I'm telling you. I would, I would, go, I would go to the... I, I, don't know, I don't know where good-looking people buy their clothes because I don't go there. I'm just saying. I buy my clothes at Target because they open at 8 a.m. I'm just saying, sometimes, sometimes you need some new jeans and it's 8, 12 in the morning. You can't wait for Banana Republic to open. That's all I'm saying. You ever walk into a store and they look at you, they go, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're just like, what? Okay. So, you know, some guys are fancy is all I'm saying. Some guys are tough. You know, yeah, tough. They got the camo to prove, all the gear to prove it. They, they carry a fishing rod where they go. That's, that's what I'm saying. There's a shotgun in their vicinity. 
at all times. Whatever it is we own, that is our public way of projecting our desired image. So consumerism has essentially become the American religion. People are constantly wandering through malls or scrolling through shopping platforms forming their identity. We've allowed, or worse, caused ourselves to become defined by our things, our items, by our clothes, our cars, our houses. What neighborhood do you live in? Oh, east or west? Do you rent or do you own? What school do your kids go to? Idolatry. And idolatry has put us into poverty. We're idolizing items. Here's, here's a second. D is duties. What's the first question that people usually ask someone when they meet someone new? Hey, what do you do? Listen, if no one has ever loved you enough to tell you this, let me be the one to say it. You are not what you do. But way too many people get wrapped up in it, get wrapped up in their duties, like, like their job. They, they love it and they're proud of it, or they don't love it, so they downplay it. Or, or people get wrapped up in a, in a position. They, they volunteer at church. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. And when they volunteer at church, they, that becomes their identity. Last week when my, when my friend Rabbi Matt was here killing this room, by the way, I was, I was actually in his city. And uh, I went to a church that a friend of mine, a guy had been my friend for like 20 years, pastors an amazing church in the Pacific Northwest. And, and, and when, I, when I went in the room, there was this guy, he was the greeter and he was soft, man, he was on point, y'all. He was like, hey! What's up? Good morning. Hey. He was like dancing and doing the stuff. Now, he, he. I was like, what? This dude is dope. I was trying to hire him to come here. And he's like, welcome home. And I was like, bah, 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 bah. I was like, where is the smoke? And where is the Europe song? You know the final countdown song? If you're a Pistons fan from the 80s, that was your jam. I mean, this dude was killing it. We sat down and two rows in front of us. Welcome home, guy. Sits down in front of us. I said, oh, suit, that's my guy. I know he's the only guy I knew in the church. That's my guy. I looked at my kids and said, look, it's the guy. It's the, it's the guy. This is the people came in late. Pastors preaching. People came in late. Guys walked by. Middle of the sermon. Hey, suit, welcome home. <laughs> looked at my kids and said, that joke needs to sit his butt down. Couple minutes later. Somebody, welcome home. Three people in the middle of the Welcome home. I said, hey. He went from being the Europe final countdown guy to the guy who was getting on, you know, now he's distracting me. The pastor was about to end the message. I don't know if homeboy had his notes, but it was like right on cue. He's about to end. You know where the, the thing hit. You know where the music comes on and you're like, oh, this is it. And the music came on and dude stood up. He started walking out. <laughs> Bro, he's still preaching. What are you doing? This has become his thing. That's become his identity. It's become the thing that he wants people to know. He's the welcome home guy. Some people, they volunteer at their kid's school. They coach Little League. They're on the board of the Children's Museum. Whatever position people hold, they get wrapped up in it. It becomes their idol, their identity. And sometimes they get competitive, even obsessed. You get good at something and then you become smug. 
So you put the bumper sticker on your car, proud parent of an honor roll student. Or you're not good at something. I was never a good student dad. I don't ever remember asking my kids if they had homework. You know, and you feel me? Like, are you those with some of you are like, okay, it's 312, get at the table. And me, I was like, man, I forget to feed my kids. Never mind. <laughs> Talking about, did you do homework? <laughs> <Yeah>, homework. <laughs> Whoever did nothing with their life doing homework, you know? I'm just, so I'm that guy who has the bumper sticker that says, my kid beat up your honor roll, student. <laughs> We're not good at something, so rather than be smug, we get dismissive. And if you're not careful, you let your worth get wrapped up in how you perform. Listen, I have duties, you have duties, we all have duties, but those duties do not define us. Amen. My friend Dave Van Dries, he's a great chiropractor, but he told me one time, I'm not a chiropractor, that's just what I do. Guys, I love that. What you do doesn't define you. Who you are should define what you do. But instead, we idolize our duties. Here's the third O is others. And this can be individuals or it can be groups. It can be a friend, a boss, a teacher, a coach, a parent. It could be a spouse. Like who is it in your life whose words are far too powerful? Like when they praise you, you're on cloud nine, but when they reject you, your life is in ruins. Uh, the great church pioneer, Jonathan Edwards, he said, if you idolize, you will demonize. I mean, come on, did y'all watch week one? Did y'all see the game against the Saints? The same people who were guaranteeing a Super Bowl win were suddenly jumping off a sinking ship with nothing but a cafeteria tray to float on and a napkin to catch the wind. Here's all homeboy was saying 200 years ago. If you love this, you will undoubtedly hate that. And we do this all the time with political parties, we do it with schools. I grew up in the shadow of the University of Michigan. And so from the earliest age humanly possible, I was trained, I was indoctrinated with the fact that the Ohio State Buckeyes are thy antichrist. You, oh, how I love to hate Ohio State. This, you just, when you're from it, you hate the Buckeyes and you learn, what is the Buckeye? It's a worthless nut. It's just, there's nothing good about the Buckeyes. We do that with schools. We do that with sports teams. I love the Packers. Ooh, so I hate the Vikings. And we laugh, but some people still hate Brett Favre or Greg Jennings because they betrayed us. But I got bad news for you. Your favorite player on your favorite team doesn't think about you ever. <laughs> not, not never. I grew up a Raiders fan, me and Pastor Ruben, because we were saved. And so uh, I loved Jim Plunkett, Jack Tatum, Kenny Stabler, Howie Long, Lyle Alzado, Tim Brown, Marcus Allen, loved them. Had the hat, shirt, jersey, jacket, but not one time were any of those guys in the huddle talking about, hey, listen. John's watching! Get him to pick it up! Like, not, never! And this afternoon, when we're killing the Steelers, in Jesus' name, my man in the middle, front and center, just saying, we've never lost. Well, I've been wearing these shoes. Not never, not never one time have we lost when I've had these shoes. I'm just saying, they're my pack. They're actually Seattle Supersonic shoes. But we stole them when we made them Packers shoes, because that's what the Packers do. We take things others thought were theirs, 
and we make them ours. I'm just saying, <laughs> this afternoon, nobody's gonna be in that huddle thinking about you, talking about you, and those guys weren't spending any time thinking about me. Why was I spending so much time thinking about them, worrying about them, deifying them? But we do it all the time. We spend an unhealthy amount of time idolizing others. Here's the fourth L is longings. These are the unhealthy ones that create unrealistic expectations. Like if I could just get a new job, a new home, a bigger home, a new car, a Harley, a boat, a cabin, my life would be complete if I could just get into college, graduate from college, get married, have kids, get those kids to move out of my house. Someday if this or someday when that, my life will be complete. We have this habit of living in false hope, and sometimes we even back it up with scriptures taken out of context. Like, you know, we're more than conquerors, or that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he's never let the righteous go hungry or his children beg for bread, that God never closes a door when he doesn't open a window. I mean, that last one's not even in the Bible, but we act like it is, <laughs> don't we? Even worse, though, Far too often we get the things we asked for, the things we prayed for, the things we begged God for, but even then, we're not ultimately satisfied. If I could just get married, mm, why'd I marry this guy? If I could just have some kids, oh, who let these kids in my house? If I could just get a home, man, who is gonna fix my roof? Ecclesiastes calls that chasing the wind. It's like a wild goose chase with no goose. And we are making idols of our longings. Here's the fifth, is sufferings. Hmm. That's why we do Journey to Wholeness right here, is this singular point. Because as long as we're alive, we are all going to suffer. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, mentally. And it's so easy for us to be defined by our sufferings. It's easy for us to be defined by our worst day. I'm a, I'm a divorcee, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. I went bankrupt, my child died, I'm a widower, an ex-con, I have cancer, my son's gay, I was homeless, I have ADD. But guys, there's a fine line between a testimony and an identity. How long are you going to be an alcoholic? You haven't had a drink in 30 years, but you're still carrying the identity of your worst day. I understand the concept, I understand the principle, I understand that you're reminding yourself, but 2 Corinthians tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And so do we want recovery? Or do we want redemption? We don't want to recover the life we had before the problem went away. We want to be redeemed into a new life, a new identity that God is offering to those who will shed the baggage that drove them to the problem in the first place. But mm, the enemy's slick, so slick, and he'll use all those things to close our eyes to who we really are, to close our eyes to our true identity. Because just as God has a view of you, Hmm. Satan has a view of you too. And so who does Satan think you are? Well, Genesis chapter three, verse one, it, it tells us, it says, it says, now the serpent, he was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, 
Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And there he goes, creating an identity crisis. And the woman, she said to the serpent, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, and neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent, he said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. Now listen to this. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. There's the identity statement. You will be like God and you will know good from evil. The original sin, it was rooted in identity. Lucifer, who was the worship leader in heaven, was built of divine instruments, was for whatever reason dissatisfied with his identity. So in his hunger for a new one, he rebels. And when God created man, Lucifer, the enemy, Beelzebub, Satan, he came and he attempted to form man in his image, in his likeness. And so he told Eve and Adam, here's a way for you to be like God. If you'll just do this, you can have the identity that you want. And so man has been trying to do things to form the identity that they want ever since. But God said, you don't have to do anything. You've already been made like me. From the very beginning, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Adam and Eve didn't have to do anything to be like God, and neither do you, because we were made in his likeness. And so today, to kick off a whole series on identity, we ask the question, who, who are you? In the 139th Psalm, it tells us, it says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and the likeness of God. And so today I wonder, are you living in that identity? I hope you are. It's what you were called to. It's what you were created for. But if you're not, I have great news. You can be before you leave this place today. Would you close your eyes all across this place? You know what salvation is? It's taking on your true identity. At its core, salvation, which is a hot word within the church world, it really just means a rescuing. Are you saved? It means are you spiritually rescued? Like I wonder today if you're spiritually rescued or if you're still spiritually lost. If you're still spiritually lost, we give you the opportunity today to get saved, to take on your right image, to take on your right identity. It's to be a Jesus person a person who looks less like you and more like him. And so the Bible says, really, you have to do two things to be saved. You have to confess and you have to profess. You have to confess, you have to admit that you are a sinner and then profess, admit with your mouth that Jesus has the ability to change that. And so today, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do both those things. And here's how, in just a minute, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna give people an opportunity to confess, and here's how. So just a moment, when I ask you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down, that's gonna be your act of confessing that you're a sinner. And then after that, I'm gonna ask everyone in here, including you if you raised your hand, to repeat a prayer after me. And if you pray that prayer after me and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. You will take on a new image, a new identity, the identity of 
Jesus. And so if you're in here and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't taken on his image, but I'd like to before I leave this place with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Did I miss anybody? Okay, I'm going to ask everyone in here to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, it's the greatest decision that you've ever made. Everybody give him a hand. Yeah, I, just, I saw one dude that was like, let's give him a hand. I love that. It's the best. <laughs> so we want the opportunity to connect with you to help you through this journey because it's not always easy. And so here's how you can practically help us help you. You can either take your phone and you can scan the QR code that's on the back of your seat or that's the giant one on the screen. Or you can take the old school card, tear off the bottom part, Fill in whatever information you're comfortable with us having. Check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can put it in the black buckets when it comes around at the end, or you can take it to the Welcome Center. We just want the opportunity to connect with you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes and your offerings. I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, but, but I haven't been living in the proper identity. Maybe you've been living in that thing that we call idolatry and you say today I'd like to I'd like to make a change if that's you would you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you good night I read Jesus for so many people in this place I pray for your power and your strength I pray that you would help us to identify with you to be the one that you've called us to be to take on your image in Jesus name amen hey thanks for joining us this week did you know we have discussion questions for each message you can download them and talk it over with your friends and family Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.